It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Joining us now, the head coach of the Utah women's basketball team, ranked fourth in the AP, ranked fifth in the coaches poll. Lynn Roberts, kind enough to join us. Coach, how are you? Hey, coach. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, We're doing great. Doing fantastic. Thanks for taking some time and coming on with us. Not to mention, Scotty, doing it probably in the toughest conference in the country right now, too. The Pac-12 is brutal, isn't it, Coach? It is. We've got uh, six teams in the top 25 and uh, highest winning percentage in any conference, highest net ranking. Um, yeah, it is the best. It's not just opinion. It's definitely the numbers show it. So, uh, it, it's a grind, but uh, as a competitor, it, it's also pretty fun. Do you get the sense before a season starts with a team, you're like, we have a chance to be pretty good. We have a chance to be special. And did you get that sense before the season started with this crew? Well, I've kind of learned over the years uh, from doing that, that it's best to just kind of stay in the moment and not have too <laughs> too many expectations and, and uh, you know, I just try not to do that because I've been disappointed before or, you know, you just, that, that makes me focus on the end and, and I'm not very good as a coach. If I'm just thinking about, you know, the end results and where are we going to finish and how many are going to win and all of that. So uh, I try to fight doing that, but you know, we have the core of our group back from last season and we made to the Pac-12 championship game last year and second round of the NCAAs last year. And we had everybody coming back and we've added a couple of key players. And so uh, I thought, you know, I was cautiously optimistic that we could be pretty good, but I didn't want to think too far beyond that. Coach, I kind of want to introduce you to our listeners a little bit more for those out there that don't watch the Utah women's basketball team. Coach Roberts has been doing a great job with Utah going back to 2015, I think was your first season with the University of Utah, but I, I want to kind of go back into your early start of coaching, Coach, just to kind of yeah. let people know who you are and where you came from. But you started out with the team that you played for. Is that not accurate? Yeah, so I played basketball at uh, Seattle Pacific University, which is a liberal arts Division two school. Uh, had a great experience, won a lot of games, and didn't know what I wanted to do academically. So my college basketball coach, who is now the head coach at Boise State, and very successful, legendary guy, uh, he was like, you, you know, Roberts, you should think about coaching. And I was like, man, okay, I have nothing else going. Uh, so I got into grad school right after I graduated um, and, you know, made like $1,000 and worked at a grocery store in the, <laughs> wow. during the mornings and went to grad school and did that and then became an assistant. And, you know, my, my first salary was $16,000. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and I thought I was rolling in it though. Cause I had like a paycheck and like I had, I, but I got to coach 
And that's all I cared about. And it's honestly all I've ever done. So I was an assistant for three years. And then I got my first head job when I was 25, which is kind of crazy. Um, I, I didn't think I was as young as I, I obviously was. But uh, at Chico State, which was a Division two school in Northern California, which is kind of near where I'm from, and was there for four years. And we made it to the Final Four, D2 Final Four, and had you know great runs there. And then I took the job. Uh, at University of Pacific, which is in the West Coast Conference, which was, you know, BYU is in that league, Gonzaga, mm-hmm. um, in Stockton, California. Uh, and I was the youngest Division One head coach in the country when I took that job. And so I've just been grateful to be given opportunities when I probably didn't, hadn't earned them yet. Um, and then, you know, we did really well there, won a conference championship, did some things, and then I got the Utah job. So uh, I've, I've been – everywhere I've been, I've kind of taken over places that um, – you know, needed some life and, and needed to turn things around. And, uh, you know, of course, Utah women's basketball has a ton of storied, you know, legendary teams and Elaine Elliott, the, the best to ever do it. Uh, and then, you know, made the jump to the Pac-12 and Elaine retired. And, you know, making that jump is really hard to go from a mid-major Mountain West to Pac-12. And so um, I took over after that. And, it, you know, the program was was not great. It was solid, but not great. And and so it's just been a fun climb to get where we are today. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my story. If I, I always joke, if I, if I wasn't a coach, I'd probably starve because I have no other, no other <laughs> skills or no other training. It's the only thing I've ever done and know how to do. When you, uh, in this day and age of the transfer portal and, and you're able to, you know, bring in people automatically and, and, and frankly try to keep them as well because you had a good team last year and, and you were able to hold on to, to those players. But when Alyssa Peely hits the transfer portal and you're able to bring her in, was there a prior relationship with her before in the recruiting process or how did that connection get made because she's been a tremendous asset for your team? Yeah, she's, a, you know, right now the front runner for Pac-12 Player of the Year, which is pretty just so cool to see her have the success she's having with the work she's put in. But uh, I remember very much her in high school. I mean, she's one of the, I think Max Preps named her as one of the top 10 best high school athletes of all time, uh, boys or girls. And I mean, her high school career is unbelievable. Just the accolades. And, um, but anyways, I called her in high school. I, I wasn't at Utah for very long when she was, you know, I remember seeing her and called her and I tease her now because she didn't return my call. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so I thought, okay. So she ended up going to USC. Her brother was a defensive lineman there uh, on the football team, and so she kind of followed him. Um, and then, you know, I got an up, I got courtside seats to seeing her, you know, twice a year when when we would play SC. So I knew her, um, but we didn't really have a relationship other than just you know shaking hands after games. But the moment she was in the portal, we jumped on it and. and uh, recruited it, you know, recruited her like crazy. But I, I think she she deserves all the credit for for what she's doing right now. She's completely bought in and um, gotten herself in the best shape of her life. And and she's for those you know listeners maybe who haven't seen us play. She's you know our team is really good, fun to watch, and she's definitely an intriguing player that that is enjoyable to see play. No question. And we'll be put to the test coming up on Friday. I can't wait for this one. So you got a return trip to Arizona. You had a ranked Arizona team at your home, on your home court. You got the one-point win, and now Arizona gets an opportunity on their home court coming up this Friday. How excited are you for this matchup, Coach? 
Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, they're I think they're in a three way tie for fourth place right now uh, in the Pac-12. Um, and and you know, you guys know that if you get one of those, if you finish in the top four, you get one of the first round buys for the Pac-12 tournaments, which matters. Um, so they're playing for that, and we're playing to you know compete for a championship. So a lot on the line. I don't know what they're ranked right now, but I think like 16th or something like that. Um, and you know, they average about 10,000 fans. And so it's loud and, and intense and, uh, but that's what you play for. You know, you want to be playing in February for a chance to win a championship like that, that it doesn't get any better. That's why you work so hard in the summer and, and do all the things you do as a player and as a coach. Uh, so I'm excited too. It's going to be hard, um, but it should be hard. And, you know, in this conference, every weekend you're playing a ranked team, maybe, maybe two, um, so it's uh, every weekend you got to buckle up and put your football helmet on and get ready to roll. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Well, Coach, I, I know you can't look forward. I know you're going to be looking at this game on Friday, but I want to look forward just a little bit for our listeners and the basketball fans out there because the end of this month, on, on February 25th, you've got a top-five-ranked Stanford team that is going to be coming to town to take on this this Utah women's basketball team. That is going to be a game that that place better be packed. It better be sold out. It better be just absolutely crazy because Stanford got a win on the road earlier in the season. In fact, it's the last loss that this team has faced. You guys have put together seven wins in a row. They take on Stanford February 25th. Put it in your books. Make sure you crowd the place. Get in there and go nuts for this team because it's going to be a wild finish. These final four games, Coach, are just tough exceptional games can't wait to see them go down yeah i appreciate that that it is going to be you know we got to take care of the 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 three in front of that to your point but if we were to and they were to as well then you know we would come in tied to that game and that game would decide the championship which is pretty cool um and you know like i said i don't want to get too ahead of that uh, of the three games in front of us because those are going to be tough but um wouldn't that be something and yes we need to pack that place and uh, we've been getting pretty good crowds and they've been loud and get engaged, but you know, this is a game that, that we need everybody at. And, you know, if we, right now we're a projected two seed in the NCAA tournament and on the women's side, the top 16 teams. So the top four seeds in each of the brackets for the 64 teams get to host the first two rounds of the NCAA wow. tournament. And then they have, uh, you know, two super regionals where those two 16 team groups go anyway. Um, so if, if we hold steady and we're able to maintain where we're at um, with even a little room to slip, we can host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, which would be really cool. And oh, yeah. again, need that place rocking. And, and, you know, we're on the, I think we're on the, on the cusp of kind of that swell of momentum to where it pushes you over the edge to where you become relevant in your community and, and something that is very followed. And, and um, you know, I've always, that's why I wanted this job. I think Salt Lake City is a basketball town. Um, but we've got to introduce, you know, our team and everything to those basketball fans. 
One of the reasons I always love talking to head coaches is because you have multiple roles, not only as X's and O's, but a recruiter, but also a little bit of a psychologist, too, with your own team. And when you're stacking wins and you have the accolades and, you know, a potential two seed in the NCAA tournament and all this stuff that could be coming your way, how hard is it to keep your team focused on one game at a time, all the, you know, cliches that you throw out as a coach? How difficult is it to keep it focused and not go big picture, but just take it one game at a time? Yeah, that's a great point, and it's it's tricky, right? Because it's uh, there's two sides of the coin where you want them to be confident, you want them to understand what they're playing for, you want them to realize and enjoy the success they've had, and and enjoy be you know enjoy the moment and the um, all the good stuff that comes with that. But man, it's a slippery slope to being you know getting tripped up because you're looking too far ahead. So uh, we've been saying over the last couple of weeks when we went on the Oregon trip. Um, we swept them, which was the first time ever we've done that, which was awesome. Uh, we just keep saying, like, we're just going to go 1-0. and Like, all you got to worry about is going 1-0. and Don't worry about our overall record. Don't worry about standings. Let's just focus on going 1-0. and So it's kind of been what we've said in the locker room a lot and in the huddles um, and, you know, just kind of this mantra of right here, right now, 1-0. and And they've bought into it. And this group's pretty even-keeled. They're, they're confident down to their toes, but they're not cocky. Um, and so that's a that's a – kind of the secret sauce i think um so you know it's a challenge but uh you know at this point the end is in sight and what we've been doing has been working and so i think they're going to continue doing that i hope but um i also think from a coach it comes from me and and our staff too if we're talking about all the the other stuff the uh, external stuff the rankings the seedings and all that then we can't expect them to not focus on it too. So we don't do a lot of talking about it. We just say, you know, all your goals are in front of you. You have a chance to control your own destiny. So let's go 1-0 and tonight. Coach, is the transfer portal hitting women's sports as much as it's hitting the football and men's basketball world? Oh, yeah. It's uh, – yeah, I don't know about other women's sports, but for women's basketball, yes, it's – it's not quite as um, prolific as on the men's side, but it's pretty dang close. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's a challenge. It, you know, the, it's two parts where it's retain, retaining your players um, and then, you know, filling in gaps on the other end. But it's very, I think it's a, it's, it's a little bit dangerous to just kind of transfer out, transfer in, build your program around that. Cause you, you really are going to have a hard time creating any sort of culture or, um, you know, team identity. It's just going to be personality based for the kids that you get for that year or two. Um, the other risk with transfers is, you know, they're transferring for a reason. And, um, you know, a lot of them are good reasons. Some of them maybe not, but whatever they're, they're leaving for because they want to. And, and sometimes it can be that they're coming, they don't have any real, you know, tied to your community, your university, your program. They're just there to kind of get theirs. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm not getting enough balls thrown to me as a wide receiver here. So I'm going to go here uh, because I know I can get more thrown to me, but you really don't care about the culture of the program or whatever. Like that, that could be the risk, right? Um, so you have to be pretty selective in the portal. But the other part of that is, is the recruiting process in the portal is like in a microwave. Uh, when you recruit a high school kid, you get to know them since their freshman, sophomore years. So, you know, their parents, you know, their trainers you know their uncle jimmy you've talked to them about everything you know everything about that kid so when you get them you have a really strong relationship the transfer process is like two three weeks 
So you really, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a uh, Russian roulette in that regard too, because it might look good on paper. You might like what you see on film, but you don't really know if that player fits who you are. Not that that makes them bad. Just not every program is a good fit for players and vice versa. So it's an intriguing facet to recruiting and it certainly has changed the landscape. Well, I kind of asked that question. It's a bit loaded and I asked that question because if I'm not mistaken, I think your entire starting five and probably first three or four rotationals are probably all eligible to come back next year. Uh, it, yeah, we don't have a single senior. Yeah, that's that was kind of the the point that I was trying to make, and and you brought it up. You got a receiver that's like, hey, I'm not getting enough touches. I'm going to go somewhere else. I look at this roster and where you guys stand nationally, and what you've been able to do in the toughest conference in the country, and you've got an entire lineup that's eligible to be back next year. That's going to be tough on the staff. You guys have to be recruiting now. I got to imagine on your own team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's. You know, it's my statement to our staff is is recruit, develop, retain. Like that's what we've got to do, and and it doesn't stop. So you're continually recruiting them, you're continually developing them, so that you can retain them. Um, and that's just that's the new landscape. And you know, we can as coaches or fans or whatever, you know, complain or talk about the good old days, but it is what it is, and it's not going away. And um, I think you know, you if. I think if you look at what Whittingham has done at Utah, um, you know, what I admire so much is that he has built really a culture. You know, Utah football knows what it's about. And, you know, this community, I think, is a little spoiled as to how well that program is run. Um, But it's because they protect their culture over everything. And I've learned a lot from that. And I think... um, you know, I think even through the that doesn't mean you can't bring in risks in the portal, but you can't have a locker room full of it. You've got to have a locker room that's full of, of a strong culture, and then you can, you know, you can afford to take some risks. Uh, and and then those guys, ideally, you know, fall in line with this is how we do things. So um, there's definitely a way to do it, uh, but there's also <clears throat> I've seen a lot of coaches lose their lose their jobs because uh, they went you know a little too transfer heavy, and it kind of backfires. Well, Coach, uh, we're fired up for the success that you're having. Keep it rolling. Uh, let's do this again soon. But, uh, again, early congratulations on a fun season, but I know it's not over yet. Keep it rolling and look forward to catching up with you again here soon. Good luck, Coach. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. And, and if you can keep plugging attendance for those games, that would be hugely appreciated. We need all the fans we can get making that place loud. You can bank on it. You got it. Thanks, Coach. Good luck all this right. weekend. Thanks, guys. Lynn Roberts, head coach of the Utah women's basketball team. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.